When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And just hearing Tracy's voice kind of double-tracked, you know, this really nice kind of bubblegum, girly sort of sound with our racket underneath it. We thought, well, this definitely sounds like something we can run with. And welcome to a new episode of Live Through That, the podcast where I talk to influential musicians from the 80s, 90s, and beyond. I'm Mike Hipple, and on this podcast, we'll dig a little deeper into a pivotal moment into the lives of some of the artists I feature in my two books, Live Through That and 80s Redux, as well as artists whom I love and respect. This week's guest is songwriter, guitarist, and vocalist Paul Court from the band The Primitives. At the time of their arrival, there was a slew of other bands fronted by blonde female singers, and the media lazily referred to this as kind of a blondie invasion, forgetting that not many of these bands really sounded that much like blondie, and that they all had their own distinct identities. The Primitives had buzzy guitars and sweet pop melodies that blended together beautifully, and the first song to catch my attention was, I believe, their biggest hit, Crash, another one of those songs that I consider to be kind of a perfect pop song. If there's any justice in this world, this song is definitely ripe for rediscovering in the same way that Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill was popularized this year. And as a silly aside, for years I had some kind of OCD tendency that I absolutely had to play that song on my disc man when I was on an airplane. The first time that beeper dinged and they said it was okay to listen to portable devices, that was a song I had to play. Weird, I know. Anyway, today Paul is on the podcast to tell the story of his own musical journey. Without further ado, here's Paul Quartz. The first band that I was in when I was 17 was called Pretty Poison, uh, named after the Anthony Perkins' Tuesday Weld film. To begin with, it was just me and a mate called Mark in the attic room of his mum's house, him on bass and me on guitar and vocals. And then my friend Jason got behind the drums. Um, we had this old jazz drum kit up there from another friend's dad. And then at some point, a guy called Stuart, who lived a few streets away, came round with his semi-acoustic country and western guitar and Fender Vibro Champ amp. And suddenly we started to sound a whole lot better. Uh, it was kind of swampy, twangy, birthday party, gun club cramps type stuff we were doing. Uh, we ended up doing about three gigs. The second one was supporting the vibrators, 
who um, years later would go on to record a cover version of Crash, which is quite a funny turn of events. The songs weren't really up to much. I mean, we had the haircuts and the shoes, but that was about it. And then Mark, the bass player, sold his guitar for drink. And because it was his house that we rehearsed in, that came to an end. And after that, the band just sort of petered out. And I assumed that that was my stint at being in a band. That, however, was not to be the last band that Paul was involved with. I left home when I just turned 20 and moved into this flat, which was the bottom half of a house near Coventry City Centre. And... Not long after I'd moved out, um, I'd been up to see my parents and I was on the bus going back home. Um, These two chaps got on a couple of stops along and one of them I knew, a guy called Kieran. um, And the other one was Pete Tweedy, who I didn't know, but I knew of him. And they sat down next to me and Kieran said, oh, we're just on our way down to see you. And I said, well, I'm not in. And they asked me if I would play guitar in this band that they were forming um, I thought it was a bit odd because I did play guitar but I wasn't known for that I'd been the singer in the other band I'd been in um, so I said yeah you know I mean I had fuck all going on in my life it was so predictable you know I was just um, no job no way of getting a job it seemed no interest in getting a job you know this kind of dull culture was the prevailing way of life for myself and nearly everyone that I knew so, you know, I thought it'd be something to do one day a week and some new people to hang around with. So, yeah, I, I agreed to meet up with them. Um, so the place that they were rehearsing was above a shop called European Sun, which was a screen-printed T-shirt shop that I actually used to hang around in when it had first opened a few years previous. But um, it was now closed, but the guy that owned it, Wayne... I think he still had a lease on it or something. And um, so he was letting bands just rehearse upstairs. So it was the three of us. And at this point, Pete was on guitar and he was just playing these kind of um, cramps type fuzzy garage band lines. And I was doing my thing and Kieran was kind of chanting and singing a bit. And then at some point, Pete went on to drums and we had various bass players come in who didn't really see any point in staying um, and then Stevie D Steve Dullahan came along with his four track one day to record us and um, somehow he was persuaded to join the band as bass player uh, it was around about then that we decided to call ourselves the Primitives uh, after the pre-Velvet Underground band uh, we thought it was a cool name without realising that, you know, there'd been loads of bands with that name. Um, We did a handful of gigs, and then we went to the recording studio, and it was the first time I'd been in one, and the first time I worked with Paul Sampson, who ended up recording, producing, you know, 80% of the Primitives material. The sort of stuff we were doing was, as before, kind of birthday party, white light, white heat, even Captain Beefheart, Kieran was a big Beefheart fan. But it became apparent in the studio that his sort of freeform approach to vocals was a bit limiting. And um, next thing I hear, he's been kicked out of the band by um, Wayne, the guy that owned the shop that we rehearsed in, who's now um, our manager. So we had to look for a new singer. 
So he put an advert up in shops and stuff around town saying that we were looking for a new singer. It mentioned various influences, kind of bands that I've already mentioned. We weren't exactly inundated with responses, but after so many weeks, one guy rang up and we arranged to meet him at the shop where we rehearsed. And we were sat opposite the shop in this park, waiting for him to turn up. And he arrives and he's knocking on the door and he's got his lovely long golden hair and an orange suntan and he's dressed up like he's gone for a job interview. Sort of looked a little bit like a cross between Mick Hucknall and Daryl Hall. And we thought, no, this ain't the guy for us. So I'm afraid to say we we stayed in that park till he'd pissed off. Um, Next up, there was this guy around town who we thought looked a bit like Jim Thurwell, the fetus guy. He had this big bouffant quiff and mirror shades. So we asked him along for an audition. Um, He didn't know who Jim Thurwell was and he had absolutely no sort of singing capability whatsoever so that went nowhere and then we saw this local band in a pub Uh, they seemed pretty good kind of indie creation records type thing and we had the idea of seeing if we could nick the singer so uh, he had a kind of bit Jim Reed out the Mary Chain kind of vibe about him so the next gig they were doing I think they were called Snake Drive the next gig was in Leamington so we piled into the back of Wayne, the manager's van, to drive over there. It's about 10 miles away from Coventry to, uh, you know, proposition him. And uh, Wayne's van broke down on some country road and it was nearer Coventry than um, Leamington, so we ended up just walking home. It does sort of feel like that was fate intervening because we had um, another response to our ad the second one in about seven months and this time it was a girl. We had specified in our ad that we were looking for a male singer because we wanted to continue in a similar vein as before and I remember Steve saying if you have a girl singer you just end up being her and her backing band which I thought was kind of true to an extent but you know looking at all the bands from the late 70s onwards that were like that you know, all the members of those bands uh, have their own individual identity. And um, so I wasn't totally opposed to having a female singer. And um, we didn't have a lot of choice anyway. So we arranged to meet up with this girl who was called Tracy. Um, I vaguely recognised her because we'd both been on this um, government training scheme. You know, these youth opportunity programme things. A few years before, at the same time, um, she just got back from Australia where she'd been living with her parents and um, she was talking about moving to London if there was nothing in Coventry. She had this air of quiet self-determination and I remember thinking that if we don't grab her, someone else will. So let's just see where this goes. We booked um, a rehearsal room to get together in. And um, Tracy comes along and we're sort of thinking that we'll just make our usual racket and somehow she'll know what to do. But of course she didn't. And um, it's kind of a disaster really. So she went home and I remember saying, that's got to be it now. Let's just just stop this and go back to a nodding acquaintance and 
you know, forget it ever happened. But someone suggested, um, why don't we get together quietly around someone's house and try and sort something out? So I thought, okay, very much last ditch attempt, we'll do that. I had a few little ideas that were like melodies and things that I thought maybe I can, um, you know, turn these into songs that may be suitable. And I ended up writing Through the Flowers and Crash. So we got back together at Stevie D's house and kept everything low volume. And um, yeah, it sort of started to come together. And um, a few weeks later, we went into the studio again and just recorded about six songs really quickly. And just hearing Tracy's voice kind of double tracked, you know, this really nice kind of bubblegum girly sort of sound with our racket underneath it we thought well this definitely sounds like something we can run with something here that we can take out into the world and the rest as they say is history but um here i am within sniffing distance of old age and it's been part of my life pretty much for all these years and still remains so Indeed it does. Just last week, the Primitives released a brand new single, another gorgeous slice of noisy, glorious pop called Don't Know Where to Start on Happy Happy Birthday to Me Records. Thank you so much, Paul, for sharing that with us and being on the podcast. And a friendly reminder that you can also buy my book, Live Through That, on 90s Artists and get 15% off using the promo code PODCAST15 by ordering at the link on the podcast page. In addition, my earlier book, 80s Redux, is available wherever you buy your books. If you like this show, please subscribe so you'll know when the latest episode comes out. You can also follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Mike Hipple Photo, all one word. Thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.